You're welcome to teaching ministry of Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye or IKEA Christian Center Global. Get set to be at the fire. The word works. First principles. The first principles of the teaching of scripture is what is called the milk of the world. The milk of the word. Then when we're talking about the meat of the word, we are talking about the doctrine of righteousness. We are talking about things that will require a greater level of comprehension and spiritual understanding for you to get. Hallelujah. Now, let's also look at something. Peter and Paul, in the book of Ephesians chapter number 1, and verse 16 into 18, begins to talk about light. Talk about Revelation knowledge. Let's look at what he's talking about here. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 16. Can we turn in there? It says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you we are in my prayers. Now, what is he praying about? Verse 17. Can we read this? Is what? Yeah. Yeah. So it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The word revelation here is apocalypsis. It's talking about an unveiling. So the communication here is that Paul is praying that the veil is taken off of their minds because there is something he wants them to see, something God wants them to see that they are not seeing because it's kind of like concealed. So he says he is praying for apocalypse, revelation in the knowledge of him. All right, revelation and unveiling in the knowledge of him. Can we read next verse? What does it say? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Uh huh. That you may know what is the word. Uh huh. Read it again. That the eyes of your understanding may be what? Uh huh. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Uh huh. And what is the word? The greatness of his power. Yes. Now, one thing we see very, very clearly in this is that, number one, he's writing to believers. Yes, he's praying for the eyes of the understanding to be enlightened. The word enlightened is employable light. So that means you can be saved. And be low on light. Are you seeing that? You can be saved, born again, and be low on light. He now goes on to say that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in saints. So he is talking about light concerning what we already have because we are in Christ. He's talking about light concerning what we already have because we are in Christ. So it is very possible for you to be saved, for you to have all spiritual blessings in heavenly realms and be low on light concerning it. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? So Paul is praying for enlightenment. Paul is praying for the veil to be taken out of their eyes. Are you seeing this? So what we can see in Ephesians chapter 1, um, 17, um, 16, 17 to 18 is a graduation or a prayer for there to be a graduation from um, the milk of the word to the what? To the meat of the word. Because they are already saved. These guys already understand first principles. They were the efficient church. They had been in Christ for many years. If you go to efficient, look, let's look at Acts, suppose, sorry, chapter number 19. Let's look at this. Acts 19, from verse 1. Acts 19 and 1. What does he say? 
And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to where? Ephesus. Finding certain what? Disciples. Okay, go on. He now says what? He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as had whether there be any Holy Ghost. So these guys had not yet been filled with the Spirit of God. All right? It's very likely that they were not yet saved. They were still in that place where they believed that Jesus was coming, having believed the baptism of John. Very, very possible. Because the baptism of John is the message that communicates that Jesus is the Christ, but he is coming. There is a Messiah coming. Are you following? And John the Baptist has pointed him out. All right? The doctrine or the, 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 the baptism of John or the doctrine of John does not affirm or teach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because Jesus was still alive by the time John died. Are you following? Come on, are you following? Uh-huh. Now, in answer, I said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be what? Any Holy Ghost. Next verse, what does he say? And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto what? John's baptism. So John's revelation is where they stopped. Okay. Now, next verse. Now it says, Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of his hand, saying unto the people, That they should believe on what? That should what? So that means Paul is introducing Jesus to these guys. So when he says he found certain disciples, they were not disciples of Jesus Christ. They were disciples of John the Baptist. Are you following? Uh -huh. It now says that they should believe on him. We should come at time that is on Christ Jesus. Verse 5, everywhere we want to go, it says what? When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you seeing this? So it means they were not saved before. Because if they are just baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, they just got saved. That's salvation. So the baptized name of the Lord Jesus. Now, verse 6, everybody read one to go. It says, well, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues prophesied. That's not where I'm going. Continue reading. All the men were about 12. 12. Continue reading. In the synagogue, where? In Ephesus, is that correct? Yes, Continue reading. Uh huh. And spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Mm hmm. But when that. I believed not, yes. He departed from them and separated the disciples. Uh huh. In the school of one. So, you can see what he is doing in Ephesus. He's disputing daily in the school of Tyrannus, affirming that the message of Genesis to Malachi is Christ crucified, resurrected, the justification atonement for sins. Are you seeing that? That is what he's affirming, all right, in the school of Tyrannus. Everybody say first principles. That's what he's laying down. Now, continue. He now says... And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greek. They heard in Asia where was Paul based, Ephesus. Are you, are you following? Are you following? Uh -huh. Now let's continue reading. Verse 11, everybody read. And God wrote special miracles. So in the Ephesian church, there were miracles. There were teachings, doctrines, then there were miracles. I'm trying to let you understand the character or the composition or the, the how would I put it? The classification of the church, the Ephesian church, Paul was writing an epistle to. 
So when you are seeing him write that kind of epistle to a church like Ephesus that have seen miracles, signs, and wonders, that are probably wrought miracles themselves, that have been taught the gospel for many years, many years. Paul at one time stays in Ephesus for two years, expounding unto them daily for two years. They were not having Sunday, Sunday service. It was every day. Yet, he's writing a mess, a letter to them many years after, praying that the eyes of their understanding may be what? Enlightened. See, praying for enlightenment for a group of people he taught daily for two years. Let's continue. They saw miracles. So that from his body were brought unto the sick and could give her apron, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits did what? Went out of them. Go on, next verse. Then setting up the vagabonds with exorcists, took upon them. Okay, so we have the, cell, the, the balls of Skeva. Now, can we go to verse 19 into 20 of Acts 19? Scurrius had brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So there was a revival in Ephesus. A lot of people who were magicians and all bought their book of magic. Everybody saw miracle signs and wonders. Those who were saved were taught the word. So, mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Then in the earlier verses, we've seen that there were 12 that got filled with the Holy Ghost. What this writer is letting you know is that in Acts 19 was that the Ephesian church was a church that was filled with people that were spirit-filled. He is not telling you that only 12 were filled in Ephesus. No. What he's trying to do is that he's trying to mention the things that were in Ephesus. The oppression seen in Ephesus. What did they see in Ephesus? People talking in tongues. What did they see in Ephesus? Signs and miracles through the hands of Apostle Paul. What did they see in Ephesus? People getting saved. What did they see in Ephesus? A strong teaching ministry. That means in the city of Ephesus, all right, not only did we see the strong apostolic ministry of Paul, we see a strong teaching ministry of Paul. Hallelujah. What do we see in Ephesus? The whole city turned to the gospel, burning their curious heart, showing us that the city of Ephesus was aligned to idolatry and aligned to mysticism. It means that the composition of the people of Ephesus before Paul came with the gospel was that they were mystics, they were supernatural folks, all right, who dabbled into the realm of the spirit, all right, through idols and fallen angels and all that. Hallelujah. Are you following this? All right, now look at this. It says, so mightily grew the word of God and what? Prevailed. And prevailed. So that means the Ephesian church was not the church where they struggled the first principles. So what Paul was doing by his letter to the Ephesian church was that he was taking them to a deeper level. Hallelujah. He's taking them to a deeper level. So you find in the Ephesian church, you don't have an emphasis on fornication. Don't fornicate. Don't commit adultery. Because the Ephesian church did not have such issues like the Corinthian church. What Paul was doing with the Ephesian church, because you see, the Corinthian church, the message to the Corinthian church was milk. Was milk. Because the Corinthian church was a baby church. Hallelujah. Alright? They were canal. Canal. Baby church. So he speaks on milk. Speaks on marriage to them. 
all right, speaks on uh, spiritual gifts. Because spiritual gifts is first principles. The teaching of spiritual gifts is not to the mature, it's to the baby in Christ. Because spiritual gifts is, you know, the introduction to Christ's life. When you got born again, you receive the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost, Jesus gives a gift. So, first principle teaching is spiritual gifts. That's why you find in the Acts of Apostles, there is strong emphasis that whenever the gospel was preached, they always introduced the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Look at it. Acts 2. All right. First introduction. 120 gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 10. You have those who gathered with Cornelius got filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Philip goes to Samaria, preaches to the Samarians. Several thousands get saved in Samaria. You now have that the apostles sent Peter and John to Samaria for one purpose, that they might receive the what? The Holy Ghost. Because receiving the Holy Ghost and walking in the gifts of the Spirit is first principles. It's not myths. It's first principles. Hallelujah. First principles. Everybody say first principles. So, we find... Paul speaks about enlightenment. Enlightenment. That the eyes of your understanding may be flooded with light. Eyes of your understanding may be flooded with light. Now, question. How do believers come to this place where the eyes of the understanding is flooded with light? First thing. All right? Via prayer. Because we can see that Paul is praying for it. The very fact that Paul is praying that the eyes of the understanding be forever with light, that they may be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, shows that after people have been taught the words, they should be prayed for that they see that which they have been taught from the word. Hallelujah. For it is not everybody that reads that sees. Glory to God. It's not everybody that hears that listens. A listening heart, a listening ear is from the Lord. So Paul prays that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may understand what I'm teaching. So the first place light comes through, the first means through which light comes to the believer is through prayer. Second means through which light comes is through teaching. Because in Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, Paul prays for them that they may understand the hope of their calling, then the exceeding greatness of his power which is at work in them, through the manifestation of the mighty power where we raise Jesus Christ from the dead, all right? And for them to understand, all right, that they are seated, all right, at the highest place of authority, and all authority has been laid upon the church, all right, because of Jesus Christ. Then in Ephesians 2, what does he do? He prays that they may know, but from Ephesians 2, what does he do? He begins to teach them. Look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 verse 1. Notice it says that you may understand the hope of his calling. Is that correct? And the riches of his inheritance where? In the saints. Hope of his calling. The riches of inheritance in the saints. Then he now goes to teach it. Look at it. And you are see what? Quickened. Who were what? Dead in trespasses and sins. Riches of his inheritance. Next verse. Wherein in time past, he walked according to the laws of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. Continue. We all had our conversation in time past, in the laws of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of right, even as others. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, 
For his great love where he loved us. Uh-huh. By grace. So what is the riches of our inheritance in Christ? Salvation. Hallelujah. Next verse. Seven. And had raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly. So what was the hope of God calling us to make us joint heirs with who? With Christ Jesus. Are you seeing this? So he begins to explain in the following chapters what he prayed about. He prayed for them to see, then he taught them what he prayed for them to see. So, light does not only come via prayer. Light comes via teaching. 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 Oh my God. The power of teaching. Paul calls it the God has ordained that men will be saved through the foolishness of preaching. In the same vein, God has ordained that men will be edified and brought into enlightenment through the foolishness of teaching. Teaching. There is a difference between the pre within, between, between preaching and teaching. Preaching has to do with announcements. Teaching has to do with explanation of the details. All right? Explanation of the details. Preaching informs you. It informs you. It informs you. Men get saved because somebody preached to them. Because the preaching of God's word is the announcement of the gospel. So you announce the gospel. But the details of what that gospel has made available, you don't have it in preaching. Hallelujah. Teaching is the detailed explanation. Line upon line. Amen. Line upon line. Line upon line. Teaching is voluminous. Teaching is what brings edification and makes you grounded. Because you become grounded when you can explain why you believe what you believe from the scriptures. Hallelujah. A man who is a product of preaching alone, where the preacher announces what God has done, announces, 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 we tell you what he has believed, but cannot explain it. As a result, that man who is the product of preaching alone will be incapable of being able to successfully raise people to be strong and effective disciples. Because he won't be able to respond to questions that they ask. Hallelujah. Because he doesn't know the answers to them. He doesn't understand the logic behind what he has believed. He doesn't understand why the systematic theology behind what he has believed. So, he tells you what he has believed, but cannot explain why he believes what he has believed. Hallelujah. Yes, Hallelujah. Yeah. Very important for us to know. This is why the teaching ministry is actually very key in the churches. The evangelistic ministry is key outside of the church. Because the evangelist announces what, the, what Jesus has done. Amen. You are not to teach sinners about salvation. They don't have the ability to understand. You are to preach to sinners what Jesus Christ has done. You announce. Hallelujah. You announce. Then when they come in, they are now what? Taught. In the local church, we teach. 
We preach, but we majorly what? Teach. Hallelujah. We majorly teach. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Yes. Now, let's go on. We said, we know and understand, receive light by what? By what? Number one, prayer. Second, by what? Teaching. The third way light comes is through meditation. 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 Now, meditation is very important and very key. Joshua 1, 8. But this book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth, but in it shall thou what? Meditate daily. No, but that in it shall meditate therein day and night. Now, that word meditate does not only mean to think deeply. Meditate is from the Hebrew word agar. Agar means to mutter under your breath. There is no meditation without speaking. There is no meditation without speaking. To meditate on the word is to speak the word to yourself. To meditate on the word is to speak the word to yourself. Because as you speak the word to yourself, you are actually reprogramming and renewing your mind. There is no one, no voice that makes a greater impression on your soul and on your mind than your own voice. I'll say this again. There is no voice that makes a greater impression and impact plus imprint on your soul than your, your own voice. This book of law shall not depart out of your mouth. So, that means, that which you have read in scriptures, you must say with your mouth. That which you have heard taught from the word of God to you, you must say with your mouth. If you keep it out of your mouth, it will become out of your mind. That which you continually confess from the scriptures with your lips becomes strong in your consciousness. So it says day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Let's go there. Joshua 1 8. He said, Day and night. Then that thou mayest observe to do. That thou mayest observe to do. Therefore, meditation is how we do the word. Meditation is how we do the word. Because when we meditate on the scriptures, the scriptures take roots in our consciousness. When it takes root in our consciousness, it becomes what we do. So, we do not meditate on scriptures to find out what we are to do. No. Or we don't meditate on scripture to find out about what we are to do in the word. We meditate on scriptures to be able to do the word. For what we meditate on, we feed on. What we feed on, we become. What we meditate on, we feed on. What we feed on, we become. What we meditate on reprograms or, you know, encodes our mind, programs our mind. What we program our minds with is what we will manifest in conduct. Hallelujah. Light comes by prayer. Light comes by teachings of the words. Teaching. Uh, for example, as teaching is going on right now, light is being beamed into the souls of people that are listening on Mixel, watching on YouTube, and that's physically here. Light is beamed into your souls. Light comes by the preached word, the taught word. 
Light comes by meditation. Everybody say what? Meditation. 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 Now, meditation is actually something I found that a lot of people do not know how to do. Um, but you see, something we need to practice. You can bring in meditation during your prayer time. Whereas, you know, when you are praying, you are actually confessing scriptures. So you say, Father, I thank you for this is what the word of God has said about me. And you are praying. What are you doing? You are meditating on the word. You are meditating on the word. You are feeding on Christ. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Now, you see, when light comes from the scriptures, it begins to rule every area of your life. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible lets us understand. It says that there was darkness upon the face of the man. God said, let there be light. And there was light. It was only after light entered into the scene that creation was possible. Then you now begin to find introduction of light to rule the day and light to rule the night. Telling you that when light enters into a place, it is because it has come to what? To rule. To rule. To gain the ascendancy. To have dominion. So, when the entrance of the word brings light, you will now begin to find out that that light you have received from the word concerning who you are in Christ, concerning righteousness, concerning holiness, concerning the gift of the spirit, the temple of God, whatever it is, it will now begin to superimpose itself on every other realities or any other, you know, experiences that you might have. Light doesn't come to cower. Light comes to rule. Praise God. And one thing about light, when it enters, darkness flees. Darkness still present, light has not entered. Stay there until light enters. All right? It stays there until light enters. The moment light enters, darkness got to flee. You don't have to walk up light. You don't have to act as though light has entered. When it enters, you will know. When it enters, you will know. Because when light enters, the struggle will end. When light enters, the fruitlessness will end. When light enters, the, uh, uh, the labor will end. Hallelujah. Because when light enters, it becomes clear <coughs> what you have and what cannot have you. When light enters, it becomes clear who you are and when you are seated. From, and, and based on that clarity, everybody say clarity. clarity. Based on that clarity, you will begin to speak. Based on that clarity, you will begin to act. Based on that clarity, you will begin to sing. Based on that clarity, you will now also begin to act. Hallelujah. Yeah. So it's very, very important. Okay? The milk of the word. Then you have the meat of the word. Glory to God. Now, I have focused and stayed with the meat of the word and the milk of the word. All right, because those are the major classifications we have for revelation of the doctrine of Christ in the New Testament. Amen. Or in the Old Testament, we have all right the only, you know, only explanation of the word of God. The word of God is sweet. Hallelujah. All right. The word of God is sweet. Then you have um, the word of God being described as a, you know, the, the, the Bible calls it the sword of the spirit, which is what? 
the word of God. So we're telling you that there is something about the word of God that cuts when it is in operation. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. What does it say? It says, for the word of God is what? Living, is living and what? Active. Sharper than what? Every, any two-edged sword. Rightly dividing asunder soul and spirit, joint and marrows, and is a designer of the intents of the hearts of men. Remember, the word of God mentioned in Hebrews 4 is not the scripture. The word of God mentioned in Hebrews 4 is what? The person, Jesus Christ. Amen. Because the scripture is not a person. The word of God is a person. The scripture points to the person. So when we read the scripture and meditate on it, who do we encounter? The person of the word. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? Now, we're talking about deeper. And in, in the deeper, we're trying to talk about getting deeper in revelation of the word. One major thing we contact when we get deeper in our revelation of the word, one major thing we contact and we begin to bear fruit in when we get into when we get deeper in our fellowship with the word, fellowship with the written word, fellowship with the, you know with, with living word, is that we become greater expressors of the faith of God. Faith of God. Faith of God. We begin to manifest the faith of God more than we used to. Many have taught faith only or majorly from the standpoint of getting what we want from God. Faith is bigger than that. Faith is the divine ability to lay hold and participate in what God's will is, in a location, per season, per time. Faith does not just receive from God that which he desires. Faith also receives from God that which God desires. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Yeah. We are greater expressors of that faith. Now look at the life of Jesus. Amen. By faith, Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed lepers, did mighty works of miracles, but also by faith, Jesus died on the cross. Are you seeing that? He died on the cross. There is faith to meet needs, then there is faith for ministry. Praise God. He died on the cross by faith, believing that three days later, he will rise from the dead. That's faith. Hallelujah. That's faith. So, faith is not just that which that take hold of that which we believe God for based on our desires. Faith is also that which that takes hold, alright, of God for that which God wants to see accomplished on the earth beyond our desires. Hallelujah. So, the more light comes in, you will have faith that you will win 500 souls to, to the Lord in one month. Hallelujah. You will have faith, all right, that you are going to uh, 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 cause there to be the city you are in to turn right side up in the name of Jesus. Faith. 
you go to a brothel and have faith that you will close it down and turn it into another kind of business because every single lady who is volunteering there, all right, is going to get saved. Faith to shut down Yahoo boys and, you know, give them a, a, a reason to leave for the kingdom. You understand what I'm talking about? Faith! When light comes, there's greater expression of faith. Look at Mark chapter 11. Say so Mark's Gospel 11, 23. 24. Are you there? Sure, sure, sure. There. All right, can we read one to go? One to go. It says what? Louder, guys. Yes. 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 Uh huh. Continue. And he shall ask. Now he said, he said, if you are say unto this mountain, which mountain is he talking about? Which mountain? You know they were coming out of the temple. All right, the temple, and the temple was built on a hill, on a, in a high place. And I taught you before that mountains in scriptures were considered hallowed places. Places where the presence of God dwells, right? I taught you that. You have Mount Zion. Is that not it? For you have come to what? Mount Zion. Unto what? The city of the living God. Unto what? The heaven revelation. So he's talking about a place where God dwells. Mount Zion is speaking of an inhabitation. Praise God. Now, the mount upon which the temple of Moses, sorry, temple of Solomon was built, was under the law, the place where the presence of God was what? You know, dwelt. Right? That way, the presence of God dwelt. The presence of God did not dwell anywhere else, so to speak. Uh, you understand? Such that if you wanted to see the manifested presence of God, where did you see it? In the temple. Now, how many of you guys noticed this thing very strangely? Amazingly, that if you study the Old Testament, there were several times where the glory of God manifested in different places. Okay, in Exodus chapter 3, the burning bush, okay, through an angel though. But we also find that during the 40 year period, the glory of God manifested on mountains, right? Right? Uh huh. Mountain, mountains and all. But the moment they built the temple of Solomon, we do not see any manifestation of the glory of God like we saw in Exodus anymore. The Bible lets us know that the glory of God appeared in the temple, right? And the priest could not minister. We don't have any other manifestation of the glory of God outside of the temple until who? Jesus. I'm going somewhere with this. Jesus now comes and says, If you have faith like a great mountain, you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into what? The sea. Amen. 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 And he now says, if you have no doubt in your heart, you shall have whatsoever you said. Now, the sea speaks prophetically of people, nations. Hallelujah. Nations. So what Jesus was actually saying in that analogy was he was expressing what his will was. His will was that the, a house or a building no longer becomes the place where the presence of God dwells the temple of Solomon no longer becomes the one place you can find the presence of God. He wants that mountain, hallelujah, that inhabitation of God's presence to be lifted up and cast into what? The sea of men. 
Then he now comes to say, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you what? Believe that what? Jesus is telling you what he desired when he prayed. And in that he is walking in the confidence at this time that all that he has prayed to the Father for, he is going to see. Which is that men will become living tabernacles of the living God. So if you have not gotten it, don't worry. Take your time and think about it again. Praise God. Because you notice that nobody actually spoke to any mountain. Any physical mountain. Nobody ever casts their physical mountain into any sea. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Nobody did. It's like this. How many of you also remember? I'm trying to show you something. How many of you remember when Jesus was walking on water? Right? Right? Now, According to, you know, the Jews, ancient belief system is that the waters or the sea was a place of the underworld. You people see believe that now. Mami water, all those kind of stuff and stuff like that. That, you know, there are powers under the sea. So you see in the Old Testament writings, you will have, um, in Philippians chapter 2 verse 9, it says, as given a name that is above name, the name of Jesus, that every knee shall bow of things we are, in heaven, of things we are, in the earth, and things we are, under the earth is the sea. So, under the earth speaks about the underworld. Are you following? So, when Jesus was walking on water, what was he demonstrating? Jesus was demonstrating to his disciples his authority and mercy over what? The underworld. Hallelujah. Now, Peter now comes. If it's and says to Jesus, if it is you, tell me to come. Then Jesus says to Peter, come. Comes, um, Peter steps out of the boat and walks on the sea like Jesus was walking to him. Showing you that the reason Jesus came to demonstrate his mastery is to ensure he gave us the ability to demonstrate the same. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you see, all Jesus did because he was in human form he did it by what? By faith. 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 So faith does not just receive that which you desire for yourself. Faith also is the ability, divine ability, to lay hold on God. And receive and believe into manifestation that which God has in his will for the earth. Praise God. God has showed you, oh, you're going to pass off one of our branches, or you are seeing that you are, God is going to send you to a particular state and you'll be planting churches over. It takes faith to do it. Are you seeing that? It takes what? Faith to do it. Now, there are a lot of people that have not been able to walk in that kind of faith. Faith that is beyond the meeting of their own needs. So they are at that level of milk faith, baby faith. Faith that is self-centric and not kingdom-centric. Any faith that cannot go beyond your needs needs to graduate. Hallelujah. Because the core of faith, if you check these scriptures, it was never really about the person. 
It was always about the plan. Abraham, it was always about God's plan. When God said, Abraham, leave your father's house to a land I'm going to show you, God had Calvary in mind. God had salvation in mind. Glory to God. So there's that aspect of divine faith where you are having the ability to believe God for the manifestation of his will on the earth that is bigger than you. Bigger than you. Faith. Everybody shout faith. 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 So we need to go deeper. Deeper in the manifestation of that faith. Not just deeper in the word. Because if you go deeper in the word of God. And you graduate from the meat of the word of God. To the meat of the word of God. You are also going to increase in the quantity. And the gravity. And the magnitude of your faith expressions. You will find yourself taking more and more responsibility in the house of God. Listen, it is not God's will for you that in a year or two, two years ago, you were being supervised in the house of God. They were following you up in the house of God two years ago. Two years after, they are still following you up. They are still supervising you. It means you are not growing. We only follow babies up. We only follow those that drink milk up. We don't follow those who are eating meat. Because those who are eating meat have come to a place of maturity where they understand what the calling is about. Where they understand what the assignment is. Where they understand how important it is and how it must not fail. You don't follow those people up. Responsibility is what follows them up. Glory to God. Responsibility is what follows them up. Praise God. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sons who have come to their place of maturity are responsible for the kingdom. Growth in the kingdom is measured by responsibility, not rev. There are different kinds of people. There are people that can share rev from now to tomorrow, quote scriptures, but cannot handle any responsibility. Showing you their true level and their true category. They are babies. They can't do responsibility. The gospel does not prosper in their hands. You put them in charge of a cell, it cannot grow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Put them in charge of a department, it's not going to function well. Put them in charge of a unit, it can't grow. Oh yeah, disciple this person. The person is a disciple, backslides and go back to the world. Because they have not grown in their ability to be responsible. They have not truly grown. True growth is seen in your faith expressions and your capacity for responsibility. Kingdom responsibility. Kingdom responsibility. So, as you are sitting, wherever you are hearing me from, wherever you are listening to me on YouTube or Mixer or here, Look around and think. Where are the five or the ten people who I am responsible for? If Jesus Christ is not bringing people to you and say you are responsible for them, for their spiritual growth, for their enlightenment, you are responsible for, for their joy and faith in the gospel, you are not growing. You have been in Christ 15 years. You can't count 10 people you are responsible for. Their knowledge of the word. Their maturity. 
People you are overseeing. People you are motivating to pray. Leading to pray. Calling to pray. You are not growing. You are still at the first principles. Because first principles is not just about knowledge. It's also seen in the activity. Growth in knowledge of the word of God is not just seen in what you say. It's seen in what you do. Ministry expressions. For we know the word of God primarily to serve the word of God. The word of God we know causes us to grow. When we grow, we serve. If we are not serving, it's proof we are not growing. And if we, what is coming out of our mouth is sounding like the word of God, then there's something wrong. It's either we have a head knowledge of it, praise God, and the word of God has not brought light into our souls, amen, or we are just faking it. Who are you responsible for? Who is in the kingdom because of you? Amen? Who is in the kingdom because of you? Who is taking more responsibility because of you? Who is becoming more committed because of you? Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Faith expressions. Faith expressions. Then I'm going to talk about last thing I'll mention tonight. We've talked about going deeper in the word of God. We talked about the entrance of light. We talked about enlightenment. Next thing I want to talk about here is being led by the Spirit. A deeper fellowship, relationship with Spirit. Now, let me explain my you know, fellowship. You know, words in English don't really mean the same thing when we talk about word, words in the original Bible languages. So, for example, you know the word fellowship? Fellowship is a Greek word, koinonia. Right? Right? Now, koinonia, the root word, koinonia comes from the, you know, root word, koinos. Koinos means one. Right? One. Oneness. One. Unity. So, in actual fact, if we're going to be speaking Bible language, every believer has fellowship with Jesus. Every believer has fellowship with the Father. Every believer has fellowship with the Spirit. So you cannot say, I want to go on. I want to walk on my fellowship. No. You can't walk on your fellowship. I'm talking about actually. Why? Because being born again is fellowship. Because fellowship is koinos, koinonia. It's talking about union. Hallelujah. So he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's fellowship. In Christ is what? Fellowship. Because what that is saying is you have oneness with him. Amen. I said amen. amen. Uh-huh. So that's it. But if we are, you are talking about fellowship from an English standpoint, what are we talking about? We are talking about, you know, prayer, you know, getting to know the Lord more and things like that. So I, I think we can talk about, we can look at that from the standpoint of um, um, working in our fellowship. Or growing in our understanding of our what? Of our what? Fellowship. Yes. So, the truth about it is that your, your fellowship with the Spirit of God cannot be better. Because your fellowship with the Spirit of God is not based on your works or what you can do. Your fellowship with the Spirit of God is the result, hallelujah, of the finished work of Christ. So, the moment you get born again, what do you have? Fellowship with God. 
you have oneness with God. You have unity with God. I'm talking of Bible fellowship, oh, breaking down koinonia koinos in the actual sense of it. Are you following what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So, Bible fellowship, you have oneness with God. You have unity with God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, so walking with the Spirit of God, walking in the, with the Spirit of God, let's now look at that. Walking with the Spirit of God is a very critical aspect of expressing the divinity that is on your inside. Because walking with the Spirit of God would mean that you are going to be able to manifest the intelligence of God in your daily lives. The intelligence of God in your daily lives. Your choices. Being able to know what to do that may not necessarily... Uh, have a logical explanation. Are you following what I'm saying? Amen. I said amen. amen. Let me give you an example. Sometime last year, for the reason the Lord does told me, get out of crypto. Liquidate everything. Now, crypto was doing okay to an extent. You understand? Doing okay. Different coins were still doing fine and all that. People were talking about, oh, in the form of this, and the Lord said, get out. Liquidate everything. And I obeyed, and I liquidated everything. Everything. Praise the Lord. I, I liquidated everything. It was in USDT. Then, in 2020, this year, no, last year, the Lord said, no, get out of the USDT too. That something is going to happen. And I said, Lord, no, now, nah, what do you mean? I was trying to teach the Lord crypto. I said, USDT is a stable coin. It's like having dollars. So I didn't this thing. Then the warning came again. Son, yes, dad, liquidates the USDT too. I said, okay. Called one person, sold everything, left. And I didn't go back in. Are you following what I'm saying? Ah. Praise God. Could I logically explain it? No. But my obedience saved me from the crash that happened and everybody was crying. Hallelujah. So, following the leading of the Spirit helps you to be able to take advantage of the super intelligence of God. The super intelligence of God. Hallelujah. So, for example, now, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to say anything. So, there's this app, right, that I normally used to save. So, I put, then, like, all of my money to invest with that app. An app I'm not going to mention. Okay. Hallelujah. All right? I put all my money to All of a sudden, I couldn't explain it. The Spirit of God just began to tell me, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't put all your money into this. You understand? And, you know, I got trouble. Like, what's the what wrong there? And all that. So, but I, and I started sending the message to those app people. I said, well, I hope you guys are not put, doing any IVs investment to something, something. And they sent an assuring message. No, everything is fine. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. blah. But guess what? I followed the leading of the Spirit. And did what the Spirit of God said I should do. And I exited. I didn't put most of my this thing there. So you see, 
one of the ways you are supposed to grow, all right, is in, all right, understanding how to follow the leading of the Spirit. How to follow the leading of the Spirit. The promptings of the Spirit. Promptings. The promptings. The Spirit of God is prompting you. Prompting you. Yield. Every single time you disobey a leading of the Spirit, you are going to make it difficult for your heart. Can we stop that? It will spoil the ACs. So tell them to stop. After the service, we can check it out. Every time you disobey the leading of the Spirit, you are training your body, your spirit man, you are training yourself not to follow a clear leading. For every time you disobey the leading of the Spirit, you make it difficult to obey the next time. Are you seeing that? You make it difficult for you to obey the next time. Every time you disobey to pray, maybe you are prompted to pray one night, and you don't pray, you find that it's difficult for you to obey the next time. So the leading of the Spirit needs to be yielded to. For you to grow in yielding to the leading of the Spirit. So that which you yield to one time, you make it easier to yield to a second time. Right? That which you yield to one time, you make it easier for you to lead, yield to a second time, a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time. So when the Spirit of God is trying to lead you in a particular way and you resist, and you keep resisting, you're going to find out that to that prompting, you are going to have a hardened heart. To that prompting, you are going to have a hardy hand. What do you do? Remember where, where you have uh, you know, proved disobedience and repent. Repentance is very, very important when you are walking with the Spirit of God. The ability to change your direction and make adjustments. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change in action. You cannot say repentance is just a change of mind. Because if your mind has changed, your action will change too. Praise the Lord. Alright, if your mind has changed, your action will change too. So, deeper levels in the word. Deeper levels in faith expressions. Deeper levels in unity the spirit. Now, let me tell you something. If you grow deeper in the word, all these other ones I have mentioned, you will grow deeper in them too. If you grow deeper in the word of God, you move from milk to meat, you will find that your faith expressions will be stronger and your ability to walk in the Holy Ghost and yield to the Spirit will be better. The foundation of faith expressions, the foundation of being led by the Spirit is the Word of God. There are a lot of people who are trying to have faith expressions, yielding with the Spirit, encounters with the Holy Ghost without the Word and they enter trouble. The word is the foundation. The word of God is the foundation. Once the word is present, the other two can be there. And let me tell you something. If you are strong in faith expressions, and you are strong in the leading of the Spirit, you cannot fail. Did you hear what I said? You cannot fail. You cannot fail. You cannot fail. You cannot fail. So, Make strong investments. Hallelujah. Strong word investments in meditation, 
in listening to teachings. Hallelujah. In prayer concerning revelations and the opening of eyes. Make strong investments. It's very important. Because that will affect faith expressions and yielding to the leading of the Spirit. The leading of the Spirit is in every believer. It's not far from any believer. The problem is, many believers have trouble in their ability to discern the leading of the Spirit. And the reason why they have trouble in their ability to discern the leading of the Spirit is that they have not created a suitable environment for them to discern the leading of the Spirit. Listen, God is not about to lead you. God is currently leading you. It is via activities you take part in. Activities in the Word. All right, activities in prayer, fellowshipping with the saints that causes you to be more susceptible to the leading of God that is already present in you. Hallelujah. Yeah, already present in you. It is intrinsic to the compass to show you direction. But if you do not know how to read the direction of the compass, it will be useless. I can give you a compass now and say that you are going to 25 knots. If you don't know what 25 knots looks like on the compass, it is useless information. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. The leading of God is in you. The light of God is inside you. The lamp of God is within you. Amen. Amen. It's within you. It's within you now. But as you spend time with the word... Fellowshipping with the Spirit. Amen. Fellowshipping with the saints. It becomes easier for you to discern the leading that is already present in you. You already know what to do. Your spirit man is not confused. Mm -mm. No. Because your spirit man is connected to the Holy Ghost. Your spirit man is born of the Holy Ghost. Your spirit man is the temple of the Holy Ghost. There is no fence between your spirit man and the Holy Ghost. So your spirit man knows what to do. We have received the spirit that knows. That's the spirit we received. But it's now for us to discern that leading. For there is what we are to do per time. Where we are to go per time. And let me also tell you something. A lot of us have been chasing voices. And think that God only leads by voices. There are times where all God will give you when he's leading you are impressions. You just have a knowing. You just have a desire that just came out of the blue. It's a divine desire. Divine desire. Divine impression. Divine nudging. Nudge. It's nudging you. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Have you been blessed? Yes, sir. Can we lift up our hands and just begin to bless this Lord? Blessing, 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 blessing. Oh, Father, we thank you. Ah, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more messages,